Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a multidimensional controversy or a real-world crisis. My crisis squad and I seek solutions. Plus, we hear from trailblazers who share their secrets to success. AOL and Time Warner, Exxon and Mobil, H.J. Heinz and Kraft Foods. Mega mergers are nothing new, but lately, does it feel like they're everywhere? We'll dive into all of this with a man who's no stranger to mergers. In fact, come early 2024, his company will merge and become new. Dan Stolls is president and CEO of Spire, one of Minnesota's largest credit unions. He's here for the case file I call Merger Mania. All right, Dan, so there are a lot of news lately about mergers. What should we be thinking about when we hear that term? We're hearing merger talk all over the media, right? In a difficult economy, mergers seem to be some solutions, but yet they bring up these connotations of fear. What's it going to be? Is it going to be smooth? Is it going to be good for the consumer? Or is it all about the business? So merger mania is a thing, and we're hearing it more and more. And we hear it with brands that are common everyday brands. So let's say a Patagonia, for example. That's a very environmentally friendly brand. People love it. Coke. Now, Coke is probably not merging with anybody anytime soon. But when we hear brands we love and know, sometimes consumers get a little concerned. Oh, no. What's going to happen if they merge? Exactly, because these brands have a loyalty to them. I mean, and everyone's really committed to all these different brands. So when you hear of a merger happening with a brand that you truly love, uh, you're really wondering why. Is the price point going to go up? Is the quality going to change? Is there focus on the environmental as we talk about Patagonia? So there are no two mergers that are alike. Absolutely not. There's cultural difference. There's focus difference. There's competitor differences. So it's really to try to get underneath the covers and really find out why are they merging Uh, Companies are looking for scale, efficiencies, so that they can diversify, so that in up and down markets, they can be extremely competitive. But there's a lot of other things that really are about mergers. And there's so much when it comes to mergers, when we think about innovation, and we wonder if these huge companies can truly innovate. I mean, you hear about, let's say, a food product, and it's on the scene, and it's new, but it's lean and mean. They can be quick and nimble. So what would be the benefit when you can be quick and nimble? Obviously, money, I can see. That a company that's innovative, that's doing things on their own terms, would want to merge with a larger company. I do believe that life is changing exponentially around us. And I do believe as business leaders, we're always saying, how do we stay ahead of the curve? We're relevant today, But we have to be more relevant. We have to move faster, to your point. And I do believe that mergers have a lot to do with innovation. Being innovative with your products, your services, and even bringing that human talent, that human capital that comes along with mergers. You're looking for people that think differently. You have more capacity to innovate. If you're not innovating, you're not going to be around. And I do believe that that is a key contributor to why we have mergers. And I have interviewed people in my life in media who have been those founders, and then they sell to, let's say, General Mills. It's a food product. And maybe they stay on as a consultant or they're still connected for a short time. Is that a good idea for the founder of, let's say, a startup to do that? 
100%. I would tell you that the number one reason for failures is that each company doesn't understand each other. And I'm talking about values. I'm talking about culture. And that founder or that CEO of that other organization, they live that. They're the ethos of that company. So I do believe that mergers and strategic mergers are to bring in some continuity to the number one, honestly, failure point is that cultural clash, that how we do business in that founder or that owner can bring that continuity and bring that transition to that new organization. And I I will tell you that I would say most failures do fail because they didn't understand the culture of the other ones or it's too abruptly different. And if you're gonna move forward and be innovative, be competitive, be out there, you have to have that cultural piece before you have that strategic piece. So for a merger's success, we really need both sides, leadership on both sides, to understand culture. Are we a match? Kind of like a romantic relationship. Can we work together? Exactly. Like a marriage, too. A partnership, right? I believe in the vetting process and mergers, you know, we look at metrics, we look at numbers, we look at income, we look at capital. But I do believe, and at least our number one lens and focus, is we're really looking, is there an alignment of values? That starts everything. So are we driven the same way? Do we have the same vision? Do we have the same approach to life, to our customers and to our employees? So to me, that very first lens is, are we going to be more profit? Are we going to have more scale? No. Do we have values in alignment? If that alignment is way off, I say run away. Great advice. All right. So the most common industries for mergers, technology, healthcare, financial services, and retail. You are in financial services. You are merging. You are the CEO of Spire. You're merging with a company called Highway. Tell us about that and why now is the time for that. Spire has gone through 10 mergers in the last eight years. Those 10 mergers were a lot smaller than Spire. So those were a little bit more simple because we knew which one was going to be the remaining credit union. It was going to be Spire. So you brought them in under you. You acquired, but Spire, the name, stayed the same. Exactly right. In September 2023, Spire and Highway has really been working on this for over a year. These things don't just develop in 30 days, 60 days. You're talking about culture. You're talking about that alignment of values. You're talking about the future. So we've really been working on this for 12 months prior to September 2023. couldn't breathe a word of it. Exactly. Very hard to do, right? And you've got a senior leadership teams that are starting to get wind of it and keeping this confidentiality factor. Then you've got boards that have to really look at this and put their approval on it as well. So that first year pre-merger, honestly, is probably the trickiest part of these mergers because you don't want to create, if it fell apart, you don't want your employees thinking, oh, why were they merging? Was there a problem in the organization? Should I leave? Should I leave? Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a big disruption. Do I want to be a part of that? So you have to be very strategic and confidential in that year coming up to it. But when we announced it, we got the official approval from um, the stakeholders and then the board of directors. So officially, our legal merge will be on January 1 of 2024. Now, what makes ours and this one very unique and different than the other mergers is we're about $2 billion in assets. They're about $2 billion in assets. We're going to double. But we agreed that we are going to be a merger of equals. So that means we have two SVP groups, we have two CEOs. So how does that work? How do we bring this culture together? And now that we got it approved, we're really going through that integration process right now. Integration can be tricky. We may have to have you back in 2024 to see how this went. Here are some fun facts, Dan. So the largest merger in U.S. history was in the year 2000, $165 billion 
between AOL and Time Warner, according to the New York Institute of Finance. In 2016, another big merger, $104.3 billion, when Belgium-based Anheuser-Busch in Bev purchased British-based SAB Miller. That was the combination of the two largest brewers in the world. Their big goal was to increase market share among African and Latin markets. So those were two big mergers. You've got some dollar value to catch up with them. What are some of your goals now, and what can consumers know, whether they're a customer of yours or they're out there somewhere in Texas or California or Maine, and this is happening in their community, and they need to know how is their financial institution going to still be on their side after a merger? You know, I tell you what, with a financial institution, we're all about trust. We have to really build that trust with our customer base. When we not only look at that alignment of values, then the next filter is we will put it through four different filters. Does the customer, in our case with Credit Union's member, do they benefit? If we're doing this and they don't benefit, then really what is the value? You know, number two, we look at our associates, our staff. Do they benefit? Is there a double win with those two? Then we also look at the organization as a whole. Does that organization, can we be more competitive? Can we be more nimble? Do we have the right human capital? Do we have the right people there? And then the last one is financial institutions are big into the community. So does the community win? Are we giving back? Are we really engaged with our community? And I can tell you that through our merger process, and especially at this one, because it's so large for us, it does fit all those descriptors. And we have metrics behind those descriptors, but they all have to win. If one does not win, then we really feel that the, uh, the merger is just not a good fit. Great analysis. I mean, these are actually, even if you're not merging, Those four lenses are really good places for leaders to be asking about their brand in general. You know, on the other side of it as well is these are going to be asked of us CEOs that are a part of it. When we start doing the town halls or we do the focus groups, we have to, with confidence, address all four of those areas. And again, I think some people get caught up in mergers and they think about scale, they think about volume, and they miss out on all these really important intangibles that are a part of it. You know, that culture clash, too, is, I will tell you, is probably the largest con. You have to control that and you have to really work through that. So I mentioned that AOL Time Warner in 2000, biggest merger in U.S. history, it also has been called one of the messiest ones. Whereas in 1999, Exxon and Mobil merged. It's hard to almost remember before when it was one or the other. For $81 those were the two top in the oil industry, and they merged. And that has has gone down in history as a clean merger. So what we hope for you here at the Crisis Files, Dan, is that your merger of Spire and Highway will be a clean merger, will be very good for all of those groups you talked about. What will you be called, Dan? You put me on the spot there, and I got to tell you, a part of this a merger of equals that makes this even more challenging, even more fun, if I can say that, is both institutions, Highway and Spire, have been around for 90 years in the Minnesota marketplace. So what we said is, you know what? One is not going to survive of the other. For some merger of equals, we got to come up with a new name. Now, some of our brands are a little bit strong in certain segments, so it, there's a little bit of a challenge in this, is not only are we going to have a merger of equals, But by January 1, so in three months, uh, we are going to have a brand new name. And that's that comes with some excitement. But I got to be honest with you, it comes with some sleepless nights as well. That is huge. Your name is huge. It means everything. So my vote for your name, and we'll see what happens come January 1, is if you merge Highway and Spire, you have Hire. 
H-I-G-H-E-R, climb higher after these two companies merge. So that is my strategic advice from my crisis strategist, executive coach hat. I won't charge you for that, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. But should you choose it, I really do want a really nice dinner out. I'll give so. you I'll give you some props too, <laughs> okay, all right? <laughs> all right. Well, final lessons for those out there. I really want to talk about the employees and the consumers. We're in a marketplace right now. We're in a landscape, at least as we are winding down 2023. Companies are grappling with work-from-home scenarios, hybrid scenarios. How does, I mean, you're a financial institution, so we do need people in the facilities, but how do you hope not only the employees of this new entity that you're merging, but how do you want consumers out there to live in that kind of space, your consumers as well as others? One of the great things about being a banker is you talk to all these CEOs and these owners, and I will tell you, it's the number one comment that comes up is how to handle the virtual environment. It was a necessity during COVID. Let's face it, it was kind of, I'll call it the great social experiment, right? I mean, because none of us, we knew it was coming, but we had to do that. But now we're coming out of that. And I think more CEOs are saying, and owners of businesses are saying, how do we balance that with serving the customers, but really retaining these great employees? The next year, we've got all those questions we are literally grappling with right now. Now, in it, uniquely with a merger and a time set, we can kind of level set January 1 with where we want to go. I think some businesses are trying to figure out how to uh, move to that point. But our main emphasis is high touch and high tech. So if we're going to be high tech, we've got to allow that technology to be a part of our ethos of our company, but then also of the consumer. The consumer's doing more banking on their mobile than they ever have. But then we still are balancing that. We're in the Midwest here in Minnesota, and honestly, people still like this high touch. They want that face-to-face. So we have to balance that uniqueness that we have with face-to-face, but then also really being high tech. This merger allows us to be very innovative on that digital side, which we really see as strategic in the future. Well, we wish you so much luck. Thank you to Dan Stolls, president and CEO of Spire Credit Union. And in a few months, we'll have a new name. We can't wait to hear the follow-up in 2024. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Spoke 612. Number one, when considering a merger, ask yourself, does this benefit our customers, our employees, and the community? Number two, Strategy matters, but the biggest reasons for failure equal a clash of culture, vision, and values. Number three, if you're a leader in emerging situation, trust is your friend, transparency is your currency. Spoke 612 Productions takes your ideas and brings them to life. Linda, Sarah, and Matt are committed to excellence and inclusivity. As a WeBank-certified women-owned production company, Spoke 612 inspires awareness and delivers impact through storytelling. When you put your project in their hands, Spoke 612 draws on their own talents and experience to ensure they tell the best possible version of your story. Visit their portfolio at Spoke612.com. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hamilton. Please rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Crisis Files. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on 
The Crisis Files.